following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Condemn. What does that mean? We hear about a house being condemned. It means just about everything in it needs to be repaired or, or even replaced. The roof is leaking everywhere, or the foundation is crumbling, or the floors are rotten, or the walls are caving in. Basically, the powers that be may declare it to be unfit to live in, period. The structure is condemned. We hear about a criminal being found guilty and condemned. Condemned to a long prison sentence or even to death. It could mean that he or she has intentionally and brutally taken another person's life. If it was done once, it could be done again. It's not safe to let the prisoner live or at least to live freely in the world. When a person is condemned, the person is unfit to mix with the rest of society. Today we are reminding ourselves that Jesus did not come to declare any of us unfit. Not you, not me, not others, not even criminals. I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, Jesus assures us. Besides reading this in the familiar passage from John 3, we find Jesus reinforcing this elsewhere in the scriptures. Remember when the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus? They reminded him that the law of Moses said such a person should be executed by stoning. She was unfit. Now what do you say, they asked Jesus. I guess you could say that Jesus shamed them by asking if they had ever sinned. And they walked away. The story ends by Jesus asking the woman if anyone had condemned her. When she said no, Jesus responded by saying, neither do I condemn you. In another spot, he said, I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them, for I have come not to judge the world, but to save the world. Judged in this context, meaning condemned. There's been a strong and influential element in biblical tradition that has seemed hesitant to emphasize this. Fear is put forth as motivation for salvation, not God's love. The threat is made that we will be condemned and declared unfit for a life in heaven. If we falter, we will go to the fiery furnace of hell instead. Fear, rather than God's love is given as a motivation to walk in God's way. With that in mind, we hear stories like this. Upon his earthly demise, a man faces St. Peter at the pearly gate. St. Peter has to determine if he is qualified to live in heaven for the rest of eternity or go to, well, you know where. St. Peter asked the man if he is a churchgoer. The man said no. He never felt he needed it. St. Peter frowned and asked if he had ever given money to a church or other charitable cause. The man again said, no, people should be able to take care of themselves, 
not depend upon others. In frustration, St. Peter then asked the man, did you ever do a good deed on behalf of another? The man thought and said, well, yes. I was walking out of a store and saw a group of surly, mean-looking men surrounding a small, feeble, elderly woman. She had a basket full of purchases, and they were harassing her, removing some of her goods from the basket, deriding her with unkind words, and even shoving her. This made me angry, our man said. So I pushed my way through the group, and when the biggest, meanest one began to pull at the women's clothes, I rushed in and intervened. He pushed me, and I gave him a push back. St. Peter then asked, when did that happen? The man said, oh, about five minutes ago. <laughs> the man obviously disregarded Jesus' teaching to turn the other cheek. Did that mean he was condemned to eternal punishment? No. Jesus does not condemn. He saves. In his book, We Make the Road by Walking, Brian McLaren gives us another perspective. Jesus' fire and brimstone language, McLaren writes, was not to predict the destruction of the universe or to make absolute for all eternity the clean, unclean of us and them. Its purpose was to wake up complacent people, to warn them of the danger of the current path and to challenge them to change, McLaren continues. As in the ancient story of Jonah, God's intent was not to destroy, but to save. Neither a great big fish nor a great big fire gets the last word, but rather God's great big love and grace. There are two specific points I want us to consider this morning. First of all, Jesus does not regard any of us listening as unfit for a life in God's love. And secondly, Jesus does not believe it is our role to declare others unfit for a life in God's love, that is, to condemn them. First of all, it is not Jesus' nature to condemn, to declare people unfit, not even you nor me. Now, in most cases, the one who probably judges our, or condemns us most harshly is ourselves. We fall short in so many ways. We might mercilessly beat ourselves up. We know that we do, or do what we do or what we do not do. We disobey, we ignore, we deny, we delay. Self-pity comes easily. A loss of self-love can be destructive. It can result in never-ending downward depressing spirals. But this is not what Jesus wants of us. Here again his words in today's scripture from John 3, but from an interpretation by Eugene Peterson. This is how much God loved the world. God gave us Jesus, God's one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by believing in Christ, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God did not go to all the trouble of sending Jesus merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. Jesus came to help. Jesus is not out to beat up on us. He did not lay a guilt trip on us. As we flounder around in the sea of life, he does not throw us a concrete block, but a life belt. 
I am not convinced that Jesus wants to look down on us, but to see us eye to eye and to walk with us hand in hand. Jesus respects you and me. Jesus sees in us potential, giftedness, hope. He has absolutely no intention of condemning us, only saving us. Secondly, now this, this leads to what might, always seem, might, might not always seem obvious. This great, and lo great love and mercy Jesus directs our way has to be shared with others. In the way Jesus treats us, we are now called to treat others in like manner. The Apostle Paul was raised and trained in a culture that declared certain foods unclean and others clean. The eating of some foods were contrary to God's law, many believe. But his, with his conversion to the way of Christ, Paul found this belief getting in the way of spreading the gospel beyond the confines of just Israel and Judaism. It be clear, became clear to him that followers of Christ were not bound to dietary laws of any given religion. Paul wrote in Romans 14, let us therefore no longer pass judgment or condemnation on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block in the way of another. We cannot try to place barriers between those needing God's love and, and God. If we determine someone is unfit and make that known to that someone or to others, we are not accurately witnessing to God's love. There's no longer any reason for us to cop an attitude, so to speak, toward those different than us. Jesus became, and just, just because Jesus frees us from an inferiority complex, it's not an excuse for us to take on a superiority complex. Some examples. Christ does not look down on those who are poor. Neither do we. Christ does not look down on edgy hairstyles or outfits. Neither do we. Christ does not look down on those with mental or, or physical challenges. Neither do we. Christ does not look down upon those whose beliefs and worship are different than ours. Neither do we. Christ does not look down on, down on those people of colors different than ours. Neither do we. How can we, when we encounter one whose behavior we disapprove of, communicate God's love and accepting gracious, and gracious love, that challenges us to tap some pretty deep spiritual reserves. Let me suggest one approach. The temptation to consider someone else unfit can come from our own lack of belief in who we are. We feel insecure when we are around persons who are, are different than we are. I know how that feels. I suspect you do too. So to avoid facing our own inner personal struggles, we build a wall between ourselves and ones who are different. Condemning them, declaring them unfit, is one way in which we do this. It makes us feel more secure in our own selfish small world. God is out to rid us of these feelings. The very question in the Bible that God is God it begins the very first book in the Bible, the first chapter in the Bible, the Bible where God is asking Adam and Eve, where are you? Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. They had uncovered, they had covered themselves in the garden. 
God, although I am sure God really knew where they were, asked the question anyway. God is always trying to find us. This is the good news of the creation story. God passionately desires an intimate relationship with each of us. During this morning's communion, may we remember all we have known and learned about God. May we reflect upon how such moments of renewal can help us again to affirm that Jesus Christ has not come to condemn but to save, and not save just us, but others. Let us pray. Gracious God, your love, your compassion, your patience, your desire for us to live full and meaningful lives goes beyond our ability to understand or accept. Even when we feel like giving up, you do not give up on us. And your willingness to sacrifice your son on our behalf fills us with awe and thankfulness. Help us, God, to live up to your love, your ability through Christ to not condemn us. We have let you down more than we can count. We find it easy to be judgmental, critical, quick to form unloving opinions of others. We can be so caught up in ourselves that we ignore the needs and difficulties of others. Forgive us, God. Help us, God. Guide and lead us, God. And this morning we remember and pray for those of our fellowship in need of your healing and renewing love. We pray for Tim Smith, Bill Head, Donna Stiller. May they know and experience a strength and love that comes from you. And we pray for our sisters and brothers of the Marshallville United Methodist Church. May your presence in their lives keep them faithful to you. The needs of others certainly go way beyond our own community and nation, Lord. Our neighbors in East Palestine are afraid, hungry, and confused. Countless families are mourning the loss of what loved ones do to the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Wars and hunger are disrupting lives of millions across the globe. Keep us aware of those hurting beyond depths we even struggle can understand. Bless us again. Move forward in, surf, in service to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.